Hello and welcome to Forces Sport. Happy Monday. I'm Kath Brazier and I'm joined by Julian Evans. Um, were you a bit worse for wear after Saturday, Jules? Can I, Good day. Can I, just, can, I just stop, <laughs> can I just stop you there, Kath? A football has just landed in the car park <laughs> from the direction of Wembley. I think Kepper's penalty has finally arrived. I shall go and tell the Wembley authorities <laughs> to take it back. Uh, what yeah, hap- yes, what happened Saturday? What was Saturday? Well, actually, just going on the football, I'm sure as a Liverpool supporter, you must be after 120 minutes to go to penalties. Was it as exciting as it sounded? I, I do have a very soft spot for Liverpool, as you can tell from my accent. <laughs> but I would point out that that was the most thrilling nil-nil mm. and extra time I've ever seen. It was there fantastic. you go. End, end-to-end, lots of chances. Goalkeepers pulling out blind. Uh, in fact, the goalkeepers that started pulling out blind. <laughs> it's unfair on Kepper. Very unfair. I'm, sh- but I'm sure, we'll, we'll sure, sure we'll get to him later. But um, better, better game of really... football than it was game of rugby then on Saturday. <laughs> the rugby... And I'm not saying that. I'm saying that as an England supporter because that was not a good game of rugby. Yes, Catherine and myself went to Twickenham on Saturday to watch England versus Wales. I was again in the red corner. Catherine cheering <laughs> on her beloved. Uh, England and it didn't, it, yeah 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 uh, and well, Wales, not, not that inspiring well the the game was very stop starty yeah. I and I I'm a I'm just a fan generally of, of, of rugby and I'd really hoped that Harry Randall and Marcus mm. Smith so Harry Randall was the scrum half started and then Marcus Smith people may know about the name Marcus Smith very <laughs> exciting rugby player and I, I had hoped that there was going to be all of this fireworks and stuff and it didn't quite happen uh, well, Wales were dogged in defence, but also the referee sort of got a bit carried away at scrum time, a lot of resetting of scrums and that sort of thing. So, Yeah, um, they did not light up Twickenham as, as we were expecting, but a win for England in the end. Um, let's talk about this week's um, guest. Um, it's the Army yes, shooting star, Army shooting star Sam Gowan, already a Commonwealth Games medal winner after winning a bronze on the Gold Coast in 2018. That was probably the best memory I've ever got. To be fair, um, and I don't know if I'll get a memory like that within my shooting career again. It's just such a special event, really. It's the place, the people, um, the weather, the whole situation of you know being at the Commonwealth Games with it being such a huge multi-sport, multinational event. That was brilliant. It was really, really brilliant. Now, Sam, of course, has his sights set on competing for Great Britain at the 2024 Paris Olympics. And he goes into amazing detail about the depths he's gone to to improve his concentration, including this little gem from one of his first regimental sergeant majors. You kind of have to be a bit of a rubber duck when it comes to this sport, not not letting anything break you or phase you. Which is difficult. I've heard that, a rubber duck. Yeah, it's a good phrase. (laughs) I learned that from... one one of my some majors in regiment. I remember he when I was doing my JNCO course uh, quite a few years ago. Uh, that was one of his phrases. What was he? What was duck. he doing to that rubber duck <laughs> yeah, to test out its strength? You can't you can't break it. You can't drown it. You can't squash it. You can't do anything to a rubber duck. <laughs> Hands down, one of the best quotes I've ever heard. And you can hear more on that later if you stick with us and hear from Sam Gowan. Fascinating stuff. And he really, really has been working on his skill set, even making the most of lockdown to hone those skills. What an incredible conversation we've got in store for you. 
Now, the Winter Paralympics get underway this coming Friday, the 4th of March, and there's more than a healthy handful of military athletes involved. They were all announced last week as GB Snowsport revealed the ski, snowboard and Nordic teams that will compete in Beijing. Eight of those are from the armed forces, names you will have heard us mention here before on Forces Sport, including sit skiers Shona Brownlee, Alex Slegg and Dan Sheen. Two of the military guides for visually impaired athletes are Brett Wilde and Gary Smith, and the Paranordic duo of Scott Mina and Steve Arnold will also be representing GB in China. Now, I was lucky enough this week to speak to Owen Pick, who'll be competing at his second Paralympics in snowboarding. Because there's been so much going on, we've just felt really grateful to just be on snow. Um, and I've, over the last four years, I've definitely learned a lot. Like, I've, And the nice thing is, going in, like, since the last game, this one's, I've actually, I've won medals, you know, I've, I've won gold, I've won silvers and bits of that. so I've kind of got that confidence as well that I needed um, and like my snowboarding has changed I've got a new coach um, so yeah I'm definitely feeling confident and just to be honest just more relaxed I'm not expecting too much of myself this time last time I was all like oh I'm going to get a medal blah 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 because that's what you say you know but actually this time I just want to I just want to go and enjoy the experience you know it's probably going to be my last games so I just want to enjoy it and and finally, if I come back with a medal, great. If I don't, I just I want to come back having a good time. Uh, sad, sad news in the rugby league duels. Um, the Navy's run and the Challenge Cup is over. They were soundly beaten, battered by Batley Bulldogs. 66 points to six in Yorkshire yesterday. Uh, but John Knighton, who went to watch the game, said they battled hard and never gave up. And apparently it was the strongest Batley side the coach could have played. After the loss, John spoke to Steve Lockton, the Royal Navy's coach, and James Texera, the scorer of the Navy's only try. When you look at the score, you feel like we've been beaten, but just played a side who were fifth in the championship. And when you technically look at how we won the floor, how we did our bits and bobs to them, and, and just really got over the game line, but you just can't, we just can't compete when they're, when they're training week in, week out, and playing week in, week out. They, had, they were at their best. They put their strongest side out today. And that is, is a, a huge credit to you for you know, the side that you brought here today. Oh yeah, and it shows that there was a there was nervous potentially that that they knew they could be uh, a uh, they could potentially have been a, an upset, but we wanted them to put their first team out without a doubt. We we wanted them to do that because we wanted to challenge ourselves. Like personally, I was absolutely over the moon just to even get some points on the, on the scoreboard against a team like that. They they they, they showed us why they're a, a semi professional side. So us, I've learned a lot from it. Uh, it was a great experience for us boys. Yeah, they were a lot faster. They executed very very well. Uh, played what was up in front of them. Um, whereas, whereas we were a little bit on our, on our back foot. Didn't quite execute as well. Um, that allowed them to just roll on really interesting the one time they were off the pace slightly was the one time that you scored they knew they couldn't afford to take their foot off the gas at all yeah so we managed to get a bit of momentum going uh, towards the towards the second half um, put them on the back foot a little bit and take advantage of of uh, uh, them being a bit little tired so being towards the end of the game it was really good to get uh, some points on the scoreboard so a shame Jules but not really that surprising once you get to the this sort of stage in the tournament that the big boy is going to come out and uh, batter you well, <laughs> as no, the, they did. the early rounds of the challenge cup is not when the when the military teams are really getting together their season comes much later i know a lot of them play for civilian clubs but the season comes a lot later when they're preparing for the inter-services which is normally september i think mm. this year it's even later it's, it's in october i just wonder why 
they can't, for this tournament, compete as the UK Armed Forces. They might yeah. be able to get a bit further, but I'm sure there's a reason why. And I, I don't want to take anything away because it's an opportunity for, for servicemen to say that they've featured in the in the Challenge Cup. So obviously, if, if you've got three teams condensed into one, it's going to be a lot harder. But I wonder if they could progress a bit further as the UK Armed Forces. I'm sure I'll be told. Somebody will be on the phone. <laughs> There'll be a reason. Um, but yeah, it was well done to the Navy for, for getting this far. And they've had a huge amount of support, not only from, you know, their own teammates, their own sort of shipmates, so to speak. But also, um, I think the Rugby Football League's done a brilliant job of, of showcasing them being being the military side that they are. Um, in football, a bit of a weird one this week, Jules, because the Royal Navy have been mm. crowned the under-23 champions. Now, if you remember, of <coughs> course, they lost to the Army in the opening game 2-0. But in that game, the Army fielded an ineligible player. Ineligible player. There you go. <laughs> Got there in the, the end. player who couldn't play. <laughs> I should have just found another word for it. Um, but that made their match against the RAF last week, the last game of the three, null and void. They drew tall with the Air Force, but the senior service were already celebrating. Head coach, Lieutenant Commander Chris James had this to say. I think coming into coming into this, John, what you want to do is be able to get your hands on the trophy at the end of it and have your your um, your services name etched on it. And we've we've managed to do that. The circumstances were outside of our control. How that's how that's ended up, but really, really pleased, really, really delighted to be the the champions this year. I think I'm right in saying 18 years of this, only the fifth time that we've won it. So so it's a real moment of pride and a real moment where we can go back to the to the service now and say, look, come on, get on board next year. Let's do this all again. We're now defending champions, and let's go in and have. A good crack at it in 2023. I'm sure it was just an admin error, Jules, and it wasn't malicious in any way, but it did sort of mess with the tournament. I mean, I'm glad for the Royal Navy, but it doesn't feel like a, a win when, you know, there was all that sort of business going on behind the scenes. Definitely an admin error. All these jobs that the, the, the soldiers have, the head coaches, they're secondary duties. Mm. They give so much of their time. But of course, the day job comes first. They are soldiers, sailors and airmen, first and foremost. And a little, you know, perhaps haven't read the small print correctly <laughs> and somebody slips in that perhaps shouldn't have done and, and the player themselves, they didn't realise. No. But rules is rules. Rules is rules. And if you're not allowed to play, if you is illegible, you ain't playing. <laughs> I'm not going to even try and say it again. But no. I have to say, when I went to a, when I saw the Royal Navy play against the Royal Air Force and they won that game 2-1, the mm. celebrations in the changing room afterwards were very loud and I thought, you've only won a game but I didn't know and at the time I think they already knew they might have um, you know ha at least had a chance to to win the in-services and so it turns out to be so that's under 23 football in some forces rugby union this week a much better outing for the army men as they beat Cambridge uni 37-10 but not such a good performance from the Royal Navy men sadly they were defeated 46-12 by Richmond Vikings the Royal Navy women meanwhile were beaten by Hampshire 25 points to 10 at Burnaby Road there was also Jules a game in Cyprus and I'm sure you've filmed this in your time it was kind of an island in service with the army playing the RAF the army ran out winners this time at 25-17 despite what looks like quite a Wales-like comeback from the Air Force in the second half do you remember your time in Cyprus do you know that fixture was not present when I was there for my three right, years. Right, okay. They, they obviously had the Akateri 10s, but we didn't have this inter-services game on. So um, well done to everybody. I'm sure it was great for the island. 
for, oh, for the brilliant. Air Force and for the Army getting everybody involved in that. Absolutely brilliant. Well, they have that main pitch in Akrotiri and they have the, the bleachers, you know, and they're always full. I mean, I just, I remember it being a great event and I used to love filming sport on the Akrotiri pitch because they let me drive the work truck in and I'm Ooh. not sure from a health and safety point of view Privileges. whether I was allowed to, but I used to drive the work truck in and stand on top of it to get that good old raised position to film the game. Is that health and safety you driving just anyway, just full stop, or just that truck, or in that situation? We've been through this, Jules. I am a very good driver. No, you are. You're just an overactive ex-policeman on the the brake pedal. Mirror, signal, (laughs) manoeuvre. Forces Sport. This is BFBS, the Forces Station. Forces Station. Well, look, thank you for staying with us. I'm Julian Evans, and over there is my colleague, Kath Brazier. Now, for our guest this week, we caught up with a member of Troops to Target. It is, of course, Sam Gowan, and he takes part in rapid-fire pistol shooting. And we started talking to Sam about how he was lamenting the fact that this event, or his event, or shooting in general, is not featuring at this year's Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. I'm not exactly sure what the reason is. I've got my ideas, but I can't prove them. Um, But it is a real shame. Uh, The opportunity to have a shooting competition on home soil and the thought of having your family and everyone watching there with you, uh, it's a shame to have that gone, really. And it is a shame that it's not in the Commonwealth Games. Shooting has been a part of the Commonwealth Games for a very, very long time. It's been a big event. Uh, So it is quite gutting. And of course, well, casting your mind back four years ago, I don't want to say this is where you made your, your mark on, on international shooting, but you came away with a bronze medal. So you have fond memories of, of competing in the Commonwealth Games. Yes, that was probably the best memory I've ever got, to be fair. Um, and I don't know if I'll get a memory like that within my shooting career again. It's just such a special event, really. It's the place, the people, um, the weather, the whole situation of you know, being at the Commonwealth Games, with it being such a huge multi-sport, multinational event, that was brilliant. It was really, really brilliant. The shooting that you do, I like to think of as the Formula One of shooting. Talk us through the discipline that you compete in. Yeah, so I, I compete in rapid fire pistol. It is the dynamic, fast um, event of pistol shooting, Olympic pistol shooting. So there's a lot more to see from a spectator point of view. And it is very, very fast. It gets really, really quick. It kind of relates to the kind of shooting that I come from, which is combat shooting. Um, And basically the way it works, there's 60 match shots to count, but it's split down into two matches of 30 shots. So it's very much a sprint event as opposed to an endurance event. Um, And in the match, You'll have a sighting series, there's five targets spread apart as you can see over my shoulder Um, and you have to start with your arm down at 45 degrees, when the green light comes on bring your gun up to the target, fire a shot on each target and on those targets there's scoring rings as well so not only do you have to be quick and precise with your movements you have to actually be accurate as well. After the sighting series, you'll have uh, two eight-second series, so the, the green light will stay on for eight seconds. You've got to get a shot on each target in eight seconds. Um, then you do it all again in six seconds, so it gets a bit quicker, and then you do it all again in four seconds. So when it comes to the four seconds, bearing in mind your arm is starting down at 45 degrees, when that, f- when that green light comes on, you have around a second and a half to get a good shot off onto the first target and half a second to fire a shot on each other target 
whilst being accurate. And you mentioned in that that you, you come from combat shooting and there's an obvious link, I'm sure, to our viewers, our listeners, that someone who's in the military would A, be, be good at target shooting, but also um, to have come from that. But is that your entire history? Is that where you came from? Or was shooting something you did you know, or have done you know, since you were younger? I've done shooting since I was around 14 years old, before I joined the army. And actually, it was a very different type of shooting to what I do now. Um, so I was in the Army Cadets and this all started because one of my one of my school friends who I used to go to Army Cadets with, um, he said to me, let's go for this shooting camp that they're running. It was over a weekend down at Longmore Ranges and this was with a target rifle. So for the people who don't know what a target rifle is, it's a 7.62 bolt action, bit like a sniper rifle, but with no telescopic sights. They're just small polo sights, a bit like you'd have on a biathlon rifle for example, but you shoot that out to 1,200 yards. So it's, it's, it's the pinnacle of precision rifle shooting, really. You've got to calculate wind and so depending on certain places where you are around the world, if you're near the equator shooting at a long distance, you've got to take account of things like the Coriolis effect even, which is just mad. And that's how I got started into shooting. And I remember my first shot, the coach that I had at the time, Mark Davies, he's ex-military as well. He still works with the Army Cadets now. Um, after my first shot, he just sort of looked at me and just went, you're on my team. <laughs> and that was it really, it kicked off from there. Then I was, the next thing I knew, I was in Canada at the GB under 18 competition over there. And when I joined the army, it took me around three years or so to, to start actually shooting. I was busy doing army stuff, you know. When um, we were busy as a battery at the time with rapier. Um, so it was around 2010 that I started doing combat shooting and it got busier and busier from there. That was good, that was good fun. But is it, is it as simple to say that if you have done combat shooting, you are a good shooter? Or is it the fact that you're a good shooter that, you ha that have do has done combat shooting as well? It doesn't necessarily follow. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it does follow. Um, it's hard to put your finger on what makes a good shooter. I think it's having things like understanding of patience, precision, strict discipline. There's a, there's a whole new level of discipline that's got to be acquired here. And combat shooting is, is a good test. If you can become good at combat shooting and fast and accurate and uh, move properly and engage targets properly, uh, then that can cross over into things like this. But you have to have another level of um, you know, skill as such uh, to be quite efficient at this. You don't get away with anything. In when it comes to sport shooting, particularly high performance sport shooting, you don't get away with anything. If you have the wrong thought at the wrong time, you're done. I imagine, imagine that conditioning you've had as a soldier really does help you because as a soldier you have to open your ears and listen to instruction, but you're also very familiar with repetition, repetition of drills, etc. So that when it comes to the actual moment, you're spot on and that must be something that's very familiar to you it is yeah being a soldier has really helped i think um the core values for example that the army teaches i've i use time and time again in this sport and they're so fundamental to getting this sport correct as well every single core discipline plays a massive role not only just not, not only competing but also working as part of the troops to target team for example um it really does help and i've called upon these core values quite a lot, as well as other military experience that I've got. 
um, even teaching over at Pearbright. I was, I was an instructor at Pearbright for a couple of years and seeing how training programs are uh, made and how they're followed and how they're progressive, um, I've used that experience into my training programs here. You've tasted international success at the Commonwealth Games, only fractionally missed out on glory at the European Championships a little while ago, finishing fifth in a very tight field. But what are your hopes and ambitions looking forward within the sport? Well, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling, um, look, my skill level and my mental skill level is, is moving forward. Uh, so so that, that gives me a good feeling. Um, I know there's a long way to go though. I'm competing against people who started this sport when they're like 10 years old. I started when I'm 27 or 26, so I'm miles off the mark. He's getting his excuses in now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm miles off the mark here, but it's, it feels like it's been making good progress so far. As I said, fifth at the last, it was the last World Cup, fifth, and eighth at the European Champs and eighth at the World Cup before that. So I've been making good progress. Um, I'd like to go for Paris 2024 and it'd be, it'd be really stupid to give up anytime soon. Um, British shooting would like me to carry on after that as well because they see my trajectory as genuinely um, making it to the Olympics. I'm 15th in the world now so we have been making good progress. I'm interested to know about the mental application when it comes to shooting. I imagine it's a rather unforgiving sport in that if you have a bad round of shots you can't dwell on that because you could catch up the next round. So is that down to personality or is that something that you can be trained to think, okay, that didn't go so well, but this time I'm on the money? I do believe a lot of it is down to personality. Um, I think by nature, I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm a patient person. I think back to when I was a kid and doing all drawing. I was massively into art when I was a kid. So you have to have patience and precision for that. Um, and I call upon that right now. Um, for my shooting. I understand the level of concentration and recently I've been working on concentrating. It sounds weird, like it sounds like when you're shooting a pistol you should be concentrating anyway but what you need is an extra level of concentration. It's, it's actually, you need to be really deeply in the moment driving the gun rather than just being a passenger seeing it sort of thing. So the, the level of mental application required is so high. This is a skill sport after all, as opposed to, you know, like a strength sport or a speed sport. And s typically in skill sports, 95% of what you do on the day is up here. So getting that right is absolutely crucial. And that's what takes years. It's, de you know, you've got to learn how to cope in all sorts of different situations, people watching when things don't go right, when things do go right, you know, to cope with that, not letting any emotions get in the way. Um, you kind of have to be a bit of a rubber duck when it comes to this sport, not, let, not letting anything break you or phase you, which <laughs> is difficult. I've not heard that, a rubber duck. Yeah, no. it's a good phrase. <laughs> I learned that one. from uh, one, one of my some majors in regiment. I remember he, when I was doing my JNCO course uh, quite a few years ago, uh, that was one of his phrases. What was, he, what was he doing to that rubber duck <laughs> yeah, to test out its strength? You can't, you can't break it, you can't drown it, you can't squash it, you can't do anything to a rubber duck. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to love that quote forever. This is literally one of my favourite ones ever. Team rubber duck. <laughs> Interesting to hear about that mental application. It sounds so mm. much like batting in test match cricket, doesn't it? You know, you, 
you're sort of in the moment and you're blocking everything else outside and you're just you know going through whatever the process is that you have to go through he's talking about the not even when you when you can't when you and i miss mere mortals concentrate really hard he is talking Sorry, about what you're saying <laughs> there you go the drifted, nth drifted off. <laughs> this always happens when i'm talking but the nth degree he is he's talking about the most minuscule of margins and i can't even comprehend what that training sort of you know how deep he has to go but he did say and i think this was he goes on to say um how lockdown actually helped him in that in training his brain and i mean I just love to see him so utterly committed to being in the, the world best. as well. Yeah, amazing. Have we, have we spoken to anybody with a higher international ranking than that? Cat Matthews, I don't know where she sits in the ninth, I think, but still. She ninth, but... right? So <laughs> yeah. a, a battle between. Him. But Kat still, Matthews I mean, different it's sports, just, but you know. <laughs> again, someone so young having that much focus just um, it, it befuddles me. But um, if we've given you a thirst, or Sam Gowan at least has given you a thirst for more, and if you want to really get to the depth of Sam's mental aptitude, then visit the BFBS Sports Show channel on YouTube where you can find out more. Um, I'm sure there's lots of crossover with other sports. I mentioned the cricket, but you know, if there's a sport that you need to concentrate, maybe you could. I'm not saying you have to take the rubber duck tip. But there may be tips from Sam that you could use in whatever sport that you're participating in. And also, as you say, if you want to hear more from Sam, you can. And then we'll also have some footage of Sam training Mm. to see the discipline in shooting that he does in case you, you yourself would like to give it a go. That's you doing what you do best, Jules, filming Sam Gowan shooting. It's very good. Mm, thanks. Anyway, a um, little bit on what's been going on in the world. Obviously, Six Nations, we've covered the England-Wales game. I felt really sorry for Italy. They've now um, racked up, what was it, 100 losses in a row or something ridiculous in the, in the Six Nations. Um, not in a row necessarily, but I think 100 losses. And to lose in such a way where they were 12, you know, they're only 12 men by the end of it. And no one really understood what the ruling was about well, if you go if you if you go to uncontested scrums, mm. and I know it wasn't their fault that a, the replacement hooker was sent off, having already lost yeah. a member of the front row, then you, then you're penalised. Yeah. So you, you lose a player. So, but when you're already up against it, it seems quite harsh, doesn't it? But there's been a lot of talk about South Africa coming into this. Pundits have put it all put yeah. it all to bed. Um, but I would say perhaps it's a, a chance to start looking at perhaps promotion and relegation mm. is that in perhaps Georgia if Georgia and Italy were to play off then the, the, the team that wins that fixture then goes back into the Six Nations I'm, I'm only saying you know it, it could it could one day be it, Wales I, down at the bottom so, as well or Scotland or <laughs> something something needs to be done you know because but it's so sad because Italy have improved so much but they just mm. you know everyone else is improving at the same time um Sad news for us in in rugby union. Josh McNally looking to be out potentially. Big question mark. Yeah, big question mark. He's done something nasty to his hamstring. hamstring. Um, having just got back to to full fitness for the start of the season, he's injured his hamstring for Bath. Um, so he's big question mark for mm. for his involvement for the RAF. And also Amy Cocaine is is another question mark around a her. Doubt she did, as well. Yeah, she's a doubt. She didn't feature for Harlequins at the weekend with concerns around her shoulder as well. So. Light blue the, shirts the, will be shaking. Yes, and big guns missing. And we want our best players. Obviously, we we're do. selfish. We want to see the big players on the pitch. Um, as well as Liverpool's EFL Cup win on penalties of the weekend. Big news at Leeds that Bielsa's gone. It just sounds like the club are up in uproar about it. Even though it's six, was it six or seven losses 
on a on the bounce that he's a very popular man at the club. Very popular man. He's got them playing some brilliant football. Yeah. But I suppose again, it all comes down to results, doesn't it? And you, you can't afford to languish, otherwise you, you disappear. And the, the dreaded drop is around the corner. And in Scotland, of course, both sides, Celtic and Rangers, drop points. But mm-hmm. it's as 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 they were because Celtic dropped points and so did Rangers. So nothing really changes there. And are FIFA doing enough to, uh, you know, buy... Oh, keep it light, Kath, keep it light. Um, <laughs> goodness me, that one in there. Pro- probably not, no. Probably, probably not. not. But at least, you know, the Champions League final has been moved away from St. Petersburg and, of course, the Formula One will not be taking place in Russia either. Uh, Women's Cricket World Cup gets underway at the yes, weekend. Looking absolutely. forward to that. Absolutely, yes. it's all happening in, in New Zealand. In New Zealand. Uh, a country that I you know, really like. So um, England get their defence. Can you believe it was 2017 when England women won that? Cricket World Cup at Lords, fantastic day. That was day. thrilling, thrilling. Um, they get underway the, against Australia in Hamilton on Saturday. And of course, the England women went and on and won the Arnold Clark Cup last week as well. Yeah, that was good as well. Internationals. Yeah. Mm. Um, looking ahead, we've got the netball. The inter-services get underway this week in Portsmouth. Um, also, the ice sports championships, which are taking place in Eagles in Austria, um, sort of an extension of, of Maribel, but it'll be bobsleigh, luge and skeleton athletes. So just keep an eye out for... For the RAF, the Army and the Navy athletes involved in that. That's about it from us today. You can keep up with all that's happening. Just go to forces.net for the latest results and action. Um, We'd love to hear from you. We always would. If you've got a particular athlete in mind or you think that we're not talking about a particular sport, then please contact us on forcesport at bfbs.com. Be kind. Uh, Don't forget to have a look back at all the chats with our military guests. Especially about Kath's driving. (laughs) At least I get there quickly on the BFBS Sports Show YouTube channel. And of course, you can listen back to all the weekly Forces Sport programmes at bfbs.com slash podcasts or on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcast jewels. Thank you for joining me as ever. Thank you for listening out there. We'll see you next week. Thank you.